0: Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I am honored to be bringing the word this morning. Are we having a good time this morning? Okay, Christmas is just a few days away. So I thought it'd be a great place to turn to the story of Jesus' birth. It's the reason we celebrate Christmas is because of the hope that He brings to humanity. And um, this morning, if you're reading with with me, uh, turn your Bible to Luke. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, 18 to 20. So you can do that. But I want to catch everyone up a little bit from last message from uh, last Sunday night. Uh, I preached on the fact that Jesus' whole birth was one big inconvenience. And in all essence, it really was. Mary was to be married and she was pregnant. Inconvenient by the Holy Spirit. Inconvenient moment to be pregnant. And Joseph and Mary are together. They finally worked it all out. Joseph is going to still marry her eventually. And then they get called to Bethlehem because they have to be part of the census. Pregnant wife, hundreds of kilometers, no cars, inconvenient. And then while they're in Bethlehem, Jesus decides to come into the earth, and they can't even find anywhere to have him. Inconvenient. All through this birth, there is an inconvenience that occurs in Mary and Joseph's life. And I talked about the fact that although there was inconvenience, their obedience still stayed the same. And my point number one for that message was exercise obedience and inconvenience, which I think is something that we can all learn from Mary and Joseph. If we are to have a major miracle in our life, and the major miracle is a miracle that nobody sees coming. You see, there are miracles that God wants to do in our life today that nobody sees coming. And in the same way that Jesus was working something behind the scenes, as Daniel said, upon the cross, he does it every single day when we choose to be obedient to his word and choose to be obedient in the inconvenience that we find ourselves in. Point number two was to value the promise over being precious. And this challenged me because Mary and Joseph, if they had any room to get angry with God, to get offended at God and go, God, you know what? You can't even provide a place for Jesus, your son to be birthed here on earth. We have to go into a shed out the back of Bethlehem in the middle of nowhere. Do you know how uncomfortable that is? Do you know how, do you know how annoying that is? All through this, this is your plan, God. This is not my plan. You have been inconveniencing us. And in the same way, God can sometimes place us in inconvenient situations where we can either be precious or we can fulfill his promise. That's the decision we have to make. And by the way... I'm happy if you guys want to talk back to me today. I, I talk at the 5 p.m. a little bit. And I say it every time. I'm happy if you, if you agree with something, let me know. You can, be, you can be a little bit noisy. You can talk back to me. I'm, I preach to youth all the time. So they usually talk through my messages. So the more, more noise that's in here, I'm not going to be thrown off by it. You feel free to go for it. Um, but they value the promise over being precious. And what a challenge that is for us today. See, Jesus wasn't precious. So why are we and um, basically, I was thinking about this story further, further this week about this birth of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking, why is it important? And I read this statement and it sums it up perfectly. It says, There are thousands of times throughout history where a baby became a king. But there's only one time in history when a king became a baby. It's pretty cool that Jesus was in heaven and he decided to come down to earth and become us who save us from our sin-filled life. That is a story worth sharing. That is a story worth living in. That is the story worth talking about today. We've talked about Mary and Joseph, but now I want to talk about the shepherds. Now the shepherds come into the story after Jesus has been born. They are the first people to hear, other than Mary and Joseph themselves, to hear about The birth of Jesus. And this is how it happens. Are you ready? From verse 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. If I'm looking for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that is not going to be a sign for me. Lying in a manger at the back of Bethlehem in a shed. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those in whom his favor rests. for the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. These shepherds up until this point in the story are the outcasts of society. Little, like you may not know, but shepherds were looked down upon in this society because they were seen as thieves, they were seen as good for nothing, uneducated. They were seen as the the guys who just stayed out in the field, stuck to themselves and were no real value to the society that surrounded them. You see, you did not take up shepherd, you did not go for a shepherding trade as a young person back then. It was a dead end job, it was a last ditch effort to make a living. It was the job that nobody else wanted to do and that you had to earn through the way that you had lived your life previously. No one trusted them, no one went near them, and these shepherds are out in the field just doing what they're doing, looking after sheep, looking after the flock that was indeed the temple's flock. So they're actually looking after the sacrifices that will go towards God in the Old Covenant, and they're looking after doing the mundane thing that they've been told to do, doing the thing, finding themselves in the mundane field where God finds them. And I love the fact that it says that Jesus, that nearby the shepherds were in a field. You see, we may find ourselves in a place where we didn't think we would be. We might find ourselves feeling less than and less than the person next to me and less than the people in my row, but God is actually nearby. These were the first people to hear of the gospel. Up until this point, there was no Jesus, and these are the first people to be told. Other than the angels, these men were the people who were told on earth about Jesus' birth, and they just happened to be the outcast shepherds staying in a field nearby to the manger that Jesus was born in. Jesus is close to all humanity, he is close. To every person, he is p- close to all ethnicities. He is close to all people who feel rejected, He is close to people who feel like they're good for nothing, who feel as if they've gone too far. He is near by. Like his word says, he is near by. They had a bad reputation, but they had a good savior. You see, societal outcasts? We don't have any in the church. We don't have outcasts. We don't, have, we, don't, we don't see like the world sees people because we see with the eyes of Jesus. And he brings people into the story who shouldn't be there. Shouldn't it be the Pharisees? Shouldn't it be the teachers of the law that hear about Jesus for the very first time? Shouldn't it be those people who have studied and are living the good life and obeying the laws and the perfect human Shouldn't they be included first and foremost? Shouldn't they be the conduits of bringing heaven to earth? It's not the way Jesus works. He was nearby and he was closing in on bringing them into his divine story. And I love their response to this. Because when we dig a bit deeper, the story of Jesus, any story that we find in the Bible, we need to dig a little deeper. We need to get a little closer to the story and look at what is actually happening. Yes, we look from the overview, but when we look in the details, we find God's divine plan and purpose, but also the lessons we can learn from those included. For a major miracle, and this is my first point, we need to develop a curiosity that kills unbelief. We need to develop a curiosity that kills unbelief. Turn with me to verse 12 quickly. It says, This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Their response, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. So many people in this world, me included, we are happy to live off second-hand revelation. We are happy to live off the story of what we hear rather than out of the revelation that we see. And in this story, there was no invitation given by the angels. When we look a little bit closer, there was actually no invitation saying, go and see Jesus. There was no invitation saying, go to Bethlehem. All the angels said was, a Saviour has been born in a manger. You can tell who he is, that he's lying in the trough, he's in a bad situation, seemingly bad situation, that's how you're going to tell. But there was no actual invitation to the, by the angels to these shepherds to go and see it for themselves. It was their curiosity that led to their belief. You see, we have moments when we can believe what God says and what God's doing when we hear it. Like that, that pricks up your belief a little bit. If I was to tell you a story of a testimony, awesome. That'll, that'll get your belief going in the room right now. But when you leave these doors, and when we go into our week, and when we find ourselves in the tough situations of life that we'll bring, those stories fade very, very quickly when we only heard them. You see, we've got to see it. We've got to see the hand of God moving. It's not good enough for the church just to hear what He's doing It's not good just for us to sit in here and go, oh, look what God's doing in that person's life and that person's life, but have no individual stories of our own. We need to let curiosity lead us into a place that builds our faith. You see, it's curiosity in God that kills unbelief of man. I don't want secondhand revelation. Do we want secondhand revelation? I always tell the youth, don't take my word for it when I preach to you because I cannot preach this word as good as I received it from God. I will never be able to. Nobody nobody will be able to ever truly give you the experience they had in God as good as they received it. We're better off getting it for ourselves. It is second-rate, second-hand information, but it's available to everyone. It's faith-led I want my own revelation of what God has done. These shepherds wanted their own revelation of what God was doing. They didn't want to hear about Jesus' birth. They said, let's go, and they hurried. There is no time to waste, church. We have got to get our revelation of God today. We've got to get revelations about what He can do in our financial situations. We've got to get testimonies of what He's doing in our, in our health situation. We've got to get testimonies of what He is doing in our world today. Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb. We all have the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ. Daniel spoke on it powerfully this morning. We all have that. And by the word of their testimony. That's something that's built by the blood of the Lamb. That's something that comes about by trusting in the blood of Jesus and activating it in and allowing him to do something in our world today. See, we need to be curious Christians instead of closed mind Christians. We have so many believers that are closed minded. To the thing that God is doing. If it's something new, we'll close to this and close to that and close to this and that and that. But God has actually called us to be curious because curiosity led the shepherds to see it and believe it. And it, we know that they believed it because it changed their actions. The plan and promise of God in its infancy seems insignificant, but will you trust his word anyway when they get to the manger they are met with an ugly sight they are met in something that if we ha- if they had the department of child services it would have been called then you do not have a newborn baby in a manger and then if you have that newborn baby you do not put that newborn baby in a feeding trough and think it's all right they are met with an ugly situation And we can find ourselves in the situation that we find ourselves in this morning that's ugly. And we can come here and we can act as if everything's okay, but we know we're walking back to an ugly circumstance. But I'm just here to say that possibly, maybe, just maybe, like this story, that God could move in that ugly circumstance, that He could move in that situation that you're walking out with today, that in fact he's already beginning to move. As you're saying to God, you know what, God, I'm curious about what you're going to do. I'm not, I'm not standing here in my sorrow. I'm not standing here saying, woe is me. I am curious about how you're going to work this together for my good. I'm curious as how you're going to use this thing that has been attacking me to attack the enemy and to use something that I have here today and now in order to be my victory tomorrow. I wonder if we could get curious today. I wonder if we could stop the boundaries, stop the being closed-minded around how we think God works and say, God, whatever it is, I'm curious to see what you're gonna do. God, whatever I walk in, I'm curious to see how you're gonna work it out. God, whatever you do, I'm curious to see your hand moved. You see, God works through situational contradictions. He always has and he always will. What type of saviour comes to the earth to bring life and dies? I mean, that is the worst story plot ever. Was he thinking straight? We don't know. I'm so thankful that he thinks above me and above us and that he's not limited to the physical because he sees the supernatural He's not limited to where we are because He can see the whole picture. He's not just looking at it from 2D. He can see the whole thing in 3D. And so when He brings death, He knows He's bringing life. When there's hopelessness, He turns it to hope. When there's sadness, He turns it to joy. Situational contradictions attract the power of God when we allow it. When we are open and curious to say, God, how are you going to move? You may say, I'm insecure, but God is ready to be your security. You may say, I am broke, but God is ready to be your wisdom and He's ready to be your resource when you allow Him. You may say, I'm depressed, but God is ready to bring joy into it. You may say, I'm done. God said, I'm not finished because He said it is finished. It's who He is. Situational contradictions, is what our God works with. So if we find ourselves in a circumstance, situation that doesn't look like God, let's trust Him. Let's have the curiosity to say, how are you going to work this together for my good? He's a good, good Father. Amen? Amen? Point number two, for a major miracle, we need to return different from the way we came. Return different from the way we came. Verse 17, when they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child that tells me that these guys had an encounter and didn't just hear about something that was really cool cuz their actions changed on the way home that's the best way we can we can we can capture it as a church is to say was it just a good moment that inspired me In the service today? Or was it an encounter that I sought after that changed my behavior on Monday? It won't leave us. Verse 18 And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Verse 20 The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They came searching and they left praising. I love this part of the story the outcasts, the people that the society had given up on, who are out in the field, away from everyone because of what they had done and the situations that they had brought upon themselves. God was nearby. He brings them into the story and they leave different to the way they came because they came searching for a revelation and they left praising God because of it. They came searching and they left praising. You see, we come, who's thankful that they came into a relationship with God searching? I think everybody in this place today, if, if, if we would have an experience where we came searching to God for something, but we left praising Him on the other side, whether that be we came searching for hope or healing or joy or restoration, or maybe we just walked into the doors filled with people, we didn't even know why we we're there but we, we were searching and we left praising. I wonder if we could become people that praise in the manger instead of finding problem with the manger. See, this was ugly. Situation was ugly. I love what Danny Goog says. Danny Guglumich, he says, he talks about praising in the rain. I don't know if he took, brought it up one time in a message here. I loved it. But praising despite the situation that we find ourselves in, See, they had a choice the shepherds. When they saw the manger, they saw Jesus, they saw Jesus in his infancy, not the promise yet. He was a baby. And they decided to see the promise over his life rather than the problem of where he found himself. I would have walked in that room, and there would have I, I could imagine it. my doubt would have been when I looked upon this child thinking, "Really? This isn't a palace." There's no crown. Mary and Joseph aren't royalty. This is not what I thought it would, but it was the sign of God. See, can we learn to praise in the manger than, rather than finding problem with the manger? Remember, God works with opposites. In this world, there are a lot of things that look good that aren't good. Amen? Amen. We have fake book, Instasham, as I call them. We can upload anything we want. It's amazing what, what people can perceive on Instagram or Instasham and fake book. I mean, life looks like a holiday. I mean, where do people work these days? Every, every day someone's doing something different. I mean, you, you look at that and you think, I want their life. They look like they're killing it. I mean, that person, little do we know the things that are happening behind the scenes You see, faith can clear up something that a filter can't. Faith can clear up something that a filter can't because when we have faith, we have all that we need. If I can gain the faith in God rather than trying to filter out my life to make it look like I'm living the dream, if I can just get real and get faith, that's what we need. That's that's attainable. That's what we can grasp fully. See, there are so many things that look great, that are in fact bad in this world. I remember one time I was eating a toffee apple and it looked awesome. I was like 13. I'm like so excited eating this toffee apple, looked glazed on the outside and I bit in, but the core was rotten. Disgusting, like when I say rotten, I mean like months old, like it was bad. I have not eaten a toffee apple since because it was disgusting. God works from the other way. God's not just about aesthetics. He takes the thing that is rotten and he brings forth life in that and eventually the outside starts to look like the inside. And in this world, we can get so caught up in making it look like polished and clean. Our life is great. I'm doing fine. But on the inside, we know we're rotten. That circumstance is rotting us out. That thing is rotting us out. But when we allow God in, he takes the rotten core and he produces life. That's where he wants to be. He doesn't care about the outside. He doesn't care about where we, what we look like. He cares about the place in our life that we can't deal with on our, by ourselves. He brings new life. Church, this morning, could we allow God into that rotten place in our life that we've been trying to cover and keep all good, would we allow God into that place to produce a new thing, a new hope, and a new joy? I love a song, Planet Boom, which is the youth ministry of Planet Shakers. They sing this song and it says praise over problems. You may have heard it. We've done it once or twice here after youth camp. And every time we do it at youth, there's this line that um, it says, I tell my problems how big my God is. And then the chorus is, um, so praise will be my response. Praise will be my response. See, praise is a weapon that we need to activate in our life. These men came searching for God. They left finding God and praise was the result. And praise became their, it really became their, their ministry. They were so excited about what they had seen. They were so excited, impacted by what God was doing, that he would include them, men who couldn't even stand up in the law of court and witness. Their word was so untrusted that even the courts wouldn't listen to them if they had witnessed a crime or done anything. Their, Their word was so untrusted, yet God says, I will take that I'll take that person and I'll use them to be my very first witnesses here on earth, and they're going to be empowered by what they see, and their praise should be their testimony. See, Jesus' word says in John 3:17, God did not send his world, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. We need real people who have real problems with a real God. No fake in the manger. They didn't go and, you know, they didn't, I can imagine everything in them would have been like, you know, where is this God that you talk about? People, as they're hearing it. Oh, he, you know, he's in a palace and he's got like heaps of people. You should see this baby. Like he is crowded and it's just everything. There's gold everywhere. Oh yeah, whose palace? Oh, um, they, there would have been a temptation to extend the story, from just being in a manger, a shed, out the back, of whoop-whoop, the middle of nowhere, that they were claiming was housing the Son of God. But they had a real story. They had real revelation. And that was impacting the community around them. You see, the Christmas story is one of epic, epic proportions. It's one of the most powerful men who had ever lived, Caesar Augustus, which I talked about in my first message, he was the emperor. He was the reason why Joseph and Mary went back to Bethlehem fulfilling the prophecy that the Son of God would be born in this town. That, that as they went in obedience, as they went by, the, by man's authority, God was doing something on the inside. And you see, the authorities that ruled at the time ruled as God over us. They were dictators. They were cruel, cruel people. But in the manger there lay a baby, Emmanuel, who would rule as God with us, not God over us. And these shepherds, all they had known was God over us. The only government they knew was God over me, God dictating to me, God forcing me, God uh, condemning me. But Jesus came and he brought God, Jesus, to them and he became God with them, God with the outcast, God with the sinner, God with the good for nothing, God with the broken, God with the depressed, God with the, the, the hurt, and he does the same for us today. So the story was already affecting the behaviors of people nearby, and the word was beginning to spread. The one who was prophesied had come, Who had come to meet with us as us, He came to meet with us as us. And the beautiful thing is the story was only just beginning. See, Jesus' birth Christmas time, it's a beautiful reflection of, yes, what Jesus did here, but what he's doing there and what he's doing tomorrow and what he's doing in our futures. See, when we grab a hold of who God is in our life today, when we choose to allow his manger miracle to become the revelation that we carry that I may not be in a perfect situation, but I have a great God. I may have come, I may have come searching out of curiosity, seeing how God's going to work this together for my good, but I'm going to leave praising his name, just as I have time and time again. I may feel rotten on the inside, but good thing my God doesn't care about what the outside looks like. He wants the inside. He wants the rotten. He wants the, the thing, the dirt in my life, and he wants to produce life. See, we serve a great saviour, but it's our choice, and I wonder if it would be our choice this Christmas to remind our world of what he's doing. See, they were evangelists from the very beginning. They were telling people, and people, it says in the Word, that people were standing in amazement at the Word of these shepherds. I wonder what testimonies we could tell that would change people's perception about God in their life. I wonder what stories we have that could impact people this Christmas for good and for God. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you, Lord, that you are here. God, I thank you that you came to earth as us, as human to bring life, to bring hope, to bring joy. And God, right now, for every person who sits in this auditorium, God, I pray that, Lord, your revelation of the love and the new start that you have for each and every person would start to hit their hearts. That, God, as we sit under your presence right now, God, your glory would rest upon us. That God, these shepherds who highlighted what it looked like to be curious and what it looked like to find hope and what it looked like to be included in the story of God, that God, in us right now, you at birth uh, and expectation are, are, are wanting to be included in what you're doing now. God, I thank you, Lord, that there are no disqualified people in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you are the only qualifier we need. There are no people who are too far gone, people who have made too many wrong decisions. I thank you, Lord, that you are here in this moment to bring hope and bring life. All across this room, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to just give an opportunity really, really quickly. But it's an important one that I have to do because I believe that God wants to be included in some people's stories today. That this Jesus that I've been speaking about actually wants to be included in the story of your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. All I want you to do, though, is so that we can chat afterwards. We'll talk about you, what what, who Jesus is, what what He's done for you. But if you'd like to know more about this Jesus that I was talking about, maybe you've never been in church. That's absolutely fine. But if you would like to know more, and this message has been speaking to you, you feel like I've been speaking to you, why don't you just place your hand up. I'll talk to you after the service. I'll explain anything that you have, any questions that you have about this God that I've been speaking about. But I need to know who you are. So, if that is you across this place, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around. I'll see it. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Any more? I feel God's got a few more in this room. Don't waste this opportunity. Like I say, I'm not going to embarrass you, but it is worth a moment. I will take another moment. Any, any more? Thank you. Fantastic. Well, we'll be speaking with you after the service, church. Thank you very much. Hope you, this message has blessed you. But remember this Christmas. We've got a couple days left. Who can we bring to church? Our story is a story that is unlike any other. Our good news is the only good news. Nobody else is preaching it. Nobody else is speaking about it. And the word of our testimony and the word of the story that you carry is the thing that will change lives. So church, just be encouraged. Let's share the message of Jesus this Christmas. Let's take an opportunity to include others on the journey. And let's see what he does. Cool? Awesome. Pastor Ann.